eight and 280 pounds, and they can call me Timmy. And, you know, Rick, that, that was a, that's a dangerous prayer. Oh, children. Thank you, Katie. Children, all the children release the kingdom. Kids, do your thing there. Go get them. Amen. Thank you guys for working with the kids and building, building that inside of them. Uh, it's a dangerous prayer. Um, I, think, I think we've learned uh, to quickly, quickly join in on those types of prayers, not realizing what really that requires of me and, and my spirit and what's inside of me. But they're going to be setting up a table here. I'll tell you what I'm going to do this morning. Um, this morning we're going to talk about reaching out. Um, and then I'm going to, uh, in the midst of reaching out, I'm going to tell you how I used to do it. Um, then I'm going to give you a revelation of what the Lord showed me now how to do it. Um, and then I've hired some of the best actors and actresses that I could afford uh, to do a skit for me. And this is some of them right here. Um, you know, so that's why you give, because if you give, I can hire better actors and actresses. But at this point in time, this is what we got, so that's what we're going to live with. But um, uh, so hopefully at the end of this, we'll be able to see uh, the journey, the difference of what God's doing inside of our life, what he's, what he's taking us from and to, and, and show you some revelation of what he's happening there. Amen. So um, Jesus uh, talked about in Mark, he commands his disciples to go out and reach, preach the world, um, the kingdom to the world. Matthew says, hey, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Please, please pray for the workers. Luke tells us that mercy covers everything, and he shows us in giving to the lost. It's how some of the times we reach the lost. And Matthew, uh, he invites us in who are weary and heavy laden. And in Ezekiel, God promises to reach the lost and bring them back in and, and, bring, and, and to bind them back together. But over a hundred scriptures in the Bible, well over it, that talks about reaching the lost. And last week, Alan talked to us, Pastor Alan, he said, we were created to bring salvation to the world. And so most of us don't really know what salvation means. We've reduced salvation to a destination in heaven when really that's only a part of what salvation means. Salvation means wholeness. Wholeness in your body, wholeness in your spirit, and wholeness in your soul. So we do well with our spirit, so we're going to go to heaven, but we blow off the whole salvation in our, in our, in our bodies and in our souls. Okay? Um, he created us, God created us, created us as a light to reach the world. We're, we're the hope of the world. We're it. We're actually the revelation of Christ on the earth today. The church is the revelation of Christ on the earth today. We're actually the victory of the cross. The church is the victory of the cross. So, so if the world's going to change, it's not going to change through politics. It's not going to change through Hollywood. It's actually going to change through us. Or not. Or, or it's not going to change through us either way. But it's going to happen from both of those. So, um, But... Um, before I start on how I, to reach the lost, I want to repent. Um, and you understand what repenting means, right? Repenting is a change of mind. It's a change of, the Lord showed me one, I was doing it one way, the Lord showed me another way, and I'm like, oh, I repent of doing it this way, and now I'm going to go over and do it this way. And so, so I've, it's a change, it's a change of, it's a metamorphosis of one thing to the next. So I'm repenting of the way I used to have this revelation of the loss. I was on a journey, and I think all of us are on a journey, and we're born babies, and, and we graduate, and we grow up, and become who God's called us to be, and hopefully we become the Christ on the earth today. Um, 
So the way I would have normally started this message, I would have started it something like this. When I gave my life to the Lord in 1997, I went to a fusion conference, and it was a youth conference, and there was four to 5,000 kids there, youth, and I was the youth leader at that time over them, and we go to this conference, and it was great. We would worship the Lord, and the main speaker at that time was Pat Swatzliner or something like that. I know he's still out there. So if he hears this message, he can be warned. Um, so he, he, he actually, in the middle of his sermon, he, he pointed at me and he said, um, he said, may the, may the bells of hell ring in your ear every time that you come around a person who doesn't know Jesus. And it struck into my bones. And it's never quit. Day and night, I feel it. I sense it. I long. I used to, I used to sit around and go, how in the world did I not know Jesus? And nobody tell me. I mean, I had friends that I'd fight with and Bar fights in, in the military we fought and who were Christians who never told me about Jesus. And I thought, how in the world could this happen? And so after that, I, I swore if I ever met Pat again, I'd kick him where he wouldn't be happy. Uh, because that it forever, that long, it sets and still sets to this day inside of me. And I would, I would uh, tell you stories about my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law was the first person I ever led to the Lord. Um, I went to her house and told her she was going to hell. I mean, she was an older lady, you know, so she took it well. She fell on the floor and was crying. And I was like, hey, listen, quit crying. I said, you're going to hell. I said, either it's pretty simple, accept Jesus as your Savior or go to hell. Whichever one you want, you can choose today. And she's like, I'm not going to hell. I'm like, oh, you actually are going to hell. But, uh, and so I would, I would push this thing, and, and, and I actually went back, and one of my friends said, hey, that's not really the way you do it. I'm like, what? What? I mean, that was the truth. I mean, there's hell and there's Jesus. What, what, how else, what else would you do? He said, why don't we pray? He said, why don't we ask the Lord? He said, why don't we seek the Lord? He said, and maybe we'll go back next week and we'll talk to her. And so I'm like, found me? I mean, I love seeking the Lord. So we sought the Lord, and then the next week he goes back, and we go into her house, and he says, hey, Judy, and they start to talk. And, and he's, he says, man, he said, I was praying for you. He said, and the Lord gave me this scripture um, you know, of the prodigal son, and I felt like maybe you've fallen away, but the, the father's calling you back. She begins to weep. She accepts Jesus as her Savior, and I'm like, that's exactly what I did. You did what I did. I said, I just softened her up for you. Um, I, would, I would get up every morning, um, at, and I'd set my alarm at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock in the morning, I would get up, and I had a list of lost friends and family members, and I would weep loudly. My kids would know. They would hear me. They, I would weep loudly on the floor for my lost friends and my lost family. I was, and I would beg God to bring them to me, to bring them to him. And I would, and it was crazy that worked. Um, and I think that at that time, the Lord opened up for, for my friends. At that time, I, had, uh, he led, I led 57 of my friends to the Lord. Um, all my family was lost. My mom had 14 brothers and sisters. Um, 
they had seven or eight kids, and they had seven or eight kids, and without ever going back to Indiana, I actually got to lead those guys all to the Lord. I led my mom, my dad, my sisters to the Lord while they were sitting on a toilet in the back room. The, 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 the story was always, um, hey, if you ever catch one of the, the family members on the back toilet at mom and dad's house, call Tim because they're going to give their life to the Lord. Because it just seemed like that was the magic toilet. If they sat on it, Jesus came. And it, it started because I, I really, my dad was a hard man, a very hard man, and um, worked hard his whole life. And uh, I felt like the Lord said, hey, call him up. It's time for him to know me. And um, I'm like, oh, Lord, could you get somebody else? You know, it'd be easy. I mean, he's a pretty tough man. He said, call him up. So I called him up and said, hey, Dad, what are you doing? He said, I'm sitting on the toilet in the back, in the back, in the, in the back room. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Can you even do that? So I ended up leading him to the Lord. And I'm like, well, that worked. And then so it was probably a couple months later that the, the, the Lord says, hey, call your mom up. So I called my mom up. I'm like, mom, where are you at? She said, I'm sitting on the toilet. I'm like, dude, it's like the magic holy toilet. And so it was, I had so many stories of, of that things, of, of that happened. I remember my grandmother who goes into a coma. She, she had 14 children. Never accepted Jesus as her Savior. Went into a coma. They want to unplug her, and I beg her not to unplug, and I pray for her for three days, and she wakes up, gives her life to the Lord, and then dies three days later. And I, got to, and I had the pleasure of doing her funeral. Um, so many stories and so many salvations that would happen because I would just had a zeal for that. My best friend, Gary Snyder, who was just a monster, he, 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 so many bar fights we had been into, and Big guy, and he said to me one day, he said, hey, lead me to the Lord. I'm like, ah, well, they do that at church, not here. He's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, you got to go to church, and the preacher actually leads you to the Lord. That's how that works. He goes, but what if I die before I go to church? I went, well, Jesus knows that, so he don't take you until then. And so I just made up stuff, I mean, because I didn't know what to say. I mean, I thought, surely it has to be right. And he's like, uh, no, you're going to lead me to the Lord. I'm like, uh. I don't know how to do this. He's like, you're going to do it right now in this woods. We went to the furthest place in the base where nobody could catch us doing this because we didn't want to get caught doing this. And, and uh, so I said, hey, I said, tell Jesus you're a sinner. He goes, I'm a sinner. I said, tell him you're sorry for being a sinner. He goes, I'm sorry for being a sinner. I said, tell him you want him. He goes, I want you. I said, you're saved. And so he cries. I knew he had to, it had to work because he was crying like a big baby. And, and so, you know, if he cries, Jesus has really has to show up. So, so he gives his life to the Lord. And then I would tell you all those stories today. In the hopes of what I was trying to do was stir something up inside of you that you would do what I did. That I would want you to act like I act. That I want you to, to, to write down some of the things that I did. And maybe in the midst of some of those things that I did, you would go do. And you would, all, you, know, you would experience what Jesus wanted you to experience. And because I would try to stir up things inside of you that you would go, well, I don't act like that. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And if there was something wrong with you, you would change. Or maybe you'd think I wasn't spiritual enough, or maybe I don't know the Lord enough, or, or maybe he knows Jesus more than I do. And, and somehow, not even with a bad heart, I would try to use that formula to try to get you to reach the law. So I had the best intention. I didn't, didn't mean anything bad about it, but I would use my example, and I would try to force it on you, and you become me and, and just a bunch of Tim Bases out there, and we would just reach the world. Uh, but that's not how I'm going to do it today. 
Okay. I didn't understand what was actually happening was a fruit of being in union with him for me. And when you were in union with him, it may look different than what it would look like me in union with him. I didn't understand that what was happening was as long as I was in, my spirit was in union with Christ, then this thing that would put inside of me would come out of my body, not because of what I did, but because of what he put inside of me. And so this connection to him, this union with him was the greatest thing that I could ever do to do the things that he, re, he wanted me to do. But the wild part about doing it, he would even place it inside of me to do it. So it wasn't like I was even stirring it up. So then when I realized it was about this union and not about the things, then it changes my message. And Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, it says this. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon you. I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. Learn from me. He, th this message is not a message for us to come and seek him out. Right? He's never been separated from us. Right? It's a message for us who have a weary burden and weary souls. That's what he's saying to us. Jesus, if we, if he's saying this, if you learn to be led by the Spirit, if, you're, if, you're, if your soul is governed by your Spirit, you'll never understand being overwhelmed. You'll never have negativity inside of your life. You'll never have depression. You'll never have anxiety. If you'll learn that this soul of mine is in union with him and only what he puts in comes out, those things of the world won't affect you. So today what I want to tell you is this union with him becomes the most important thing to see whatever he wants you to do come out of you. right? And if we, if we do it any other way than this union with him, then we're doing it wrong. And I don't care who you're listening to or, or who's preaching to you or whatever. If it's not from a union to him, then you're not getting it right. You're missing what he's wanting you to do. Does that make sense to you? Okay. I, I want you to say this again. Jesus says if we learn to be led by our spirit and let it govern our soul... We'll never be overwhelmed. We'll never have anxiety. You'll never have depression. You'll never be overwhelmed. You'll never be exhausted by any global pandemic or anything else. You won't be overcome by late bills. And the circumstances in your life won't be bigger than he is. But you have to learn to allow this spirit to govern your soul and nothing else. So you see that fear is the trigger of our circumstances. See, what we do is we hear this news, we see this media, this news with our natural eyes, and all of a sudden what creates inside of me are all these what-ifs. And the what-ifs inform my soul to set the stage for my life. Does that make sense? The what-ifs is what sets, comes into my soul and it sets the stage of what's coming outside of my life. When Jesus was resurrected and he returned to his father, we also were resurrected. You understand that, right? 
So we were seated in him and with him by the Father. So that meant that when, when this happened, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit somehow co-mingled and came and lived inside of me through the Holy Spirit. And so no longer can I be separated from Christ. Now, I may not be in union with him. I may not be listening to him. I may not be in this conversation of him feeding my spirit and my soul and in it coming out my body. But I never was separated from him. So when Jesus saved us, he saved all of us. He saved my spirit, he saved my soul, and he saved my body. Now, this is a very, very important part, this next part. So tell your friend beside you, say, hey, listen, don't talk to me for a minute. Don't talk to me for a minute because I need this part. Okay? We've, we have embraced being saved and living abundant life here on the earth has been reduced to going to heaven. I'll say it to you this way. What we thought salvation meant was about going to heaven. And we reduced the life of Christ on the earth to some eternal destination. And so what this life on the earth does has no significance. Instead of understanding salvation means my spirit becomes whole. You know, salvation, you know, salvation means to make whole. Make whole. And so, so when I get saved, my destination is heaven. But now I've got to work out the rest of that here. So my body and my soul has got to begin this journey of working out this salvation in union with him. So it's not, it's not conditional to my place in going to heaven, but that's why when we meet Christians, we're like, whoo, boy, can you believe they're a Christian? Mm, boy, they don't sound like one. What do you mean when you, you pull up behind? You know, I'm a bad driver. I really am. So if you guys, if I pull out in front of you, it's not because I don't like you. It's just because I'm a bad driver. So don't cuss me because I see you in the window and I'm reading lips. I'm like, mm-hmm, I'll see you at church Sunday. So, so I, I get cussed out a lot when I drive. I really do. Because I, I don't know why I just don't pay attention. I need to. I'm not saying I don't. And maybe that part, will, that salvation of my driving will come. But it's why we run into Christians all the time who we don't think are acting like Christ on the earth today is because they're not, they thought salvation meant just their heavenly destination and they didn't really understand that salvation meant their soul and their body too. So, so I've got to grow in my soul and I've got to grow in my salvation, I mean, my body, so I become the manifestation of Christ on the earth today. So that's why we don't look like Christ as well as we should. Does that make sense? I mean, so, so we've reduced salvation just to going to heaven. And that's why we mess people up all the time by saying, well, you're not going to heaven. Well, they're probably going to heaven. They're just living a hell, hellacious life on the earth. Does that make sense? Okay. Philippians 2 says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but now how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. Well, I thought I was already saved. He's talking, he's talking to the church, right? 
So how do I work out my salvation, right? Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is a big part. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in the order to fulfill his purpose. So it's basically saying God's going to place inside of you the desire, the ability, everything it is to accomplish the things that he wants you to do. And you're not going to have to work that out by yourself. He's going to do it inside. So if you stay in union with this God, if you stay in union with him, he's actually going to give you everything that's needed to accomplish the looking like Christ on the earth today. And it will be nothing but, but him. Amen. So salvation is more than just an external destination. Turn to your neighbor and say, salvation is about going to heaven. But it's also about living here on the earth. Okay. So the meaning of salvation is to be whole. It's about living an abundant life here on the earth today, right? So I have to, I cannot just be saved and not have an abundant life on the earth today. And all the people around me go, man, you sure don't look like a Christian. I mean, I know you say you're a Christian. You got that little Christian sticker on your car and you got the little fish on your little thing. I know you say all that stuff, but it sure doesn't look like that. Because they also thought that salvation meant about going to heaven, and it wasn't about just walking out everything that you got to do in your life today, amen? God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit entered you and made you whole, and they're continually making you whole through this union with him. So you see why this connection, what, what we say this thing to, is to him, right? Our intention now... So let's settle it. If you've been saved and you're here probably because you're wanting Jesus, you're, sa- you're going to heaven. Let's settle that. But that little bit of anger that's inside of you, that little bit of offense that's inside of you, that little bit of jealousy that's inside of you needs to be worked out. And that's worked out through your salvation as you continue to work that out, right? You not reaching the lost needs to be worked out. It, it, it's, that's that union. That's what happens in the midst of this union, right? I go to him and I, and I ask him this, right? Your spirit is who God says you are. Your soul is who you believe you are. Your body is what creation experiences when it encounters you at Walmart. Salvation is that you would preserve your body, soul, and spirit and all be governed by this union with him. Let me read this to you in the Passion Translation. It says, My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I was right with you there. Now, you must continue to make this new life manifested as you live in this holy awe with God. And which brings you trembling into his presence. And God will, listen to this, God will continually revitalize you in planting within you the passion to do what pleases him. Okay, so now we're going to do a skit. I'm, I'm asking all these well-paid actors to come up here real quick. Let me introduce them to you. You're, you're probably going to know them. You've probably seen them on TV before. This, this is Corey, and Corey's a new Christian. And this is his, yeah, and this is his Christian friend. 
And this is his other friend. And they've, you know, every Christian, you know, you always, if you read on social media or whatever, they always make fun of, if you go to church and they ask you out for coffee, be careful. Have you ever seen those, right? So that's a play on this. Okay, so they've all, they've, they've asked Corey, they've asked Corey to coffee so they could share with them the wisdom, the things that they've learned as they followed the, followed the Lord. And then the Holy, the second time we come by to do this, we're going to do it again, but this time, Corey's going to realize this union with the Holy Spirit is critical to walk out where he needs to go. Yeah, guys, I don't know how to tell you this. I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm just so happy that God's changed my life, but I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how to live right. I've only ever lived the way I wanted to live. So, man, I'm just excited to, to figure this whole thing out. Maybe I can help you. I've been walking with the Lord for several years, and Here's what, here's what I know. I tell you what, you, you, my Bible, please. I forgot my Bible, my goodness. Never forget the Bible. You always have to have it with you at all times. Matter of fact, once you put one in your vehicle. Yeah, yeah, you probably would. I mean, it's, it's, it's real easy to remember, but you probably will. Always have a Bible at work, have one in your truck, and have one at home. Always do that. And I tell you what. Every morning, get up a little early before you go to work and go read your Bible, at least, a, at least a chapter in the morning time. Get away from everybody. Then that Bible at work, you get away at lunchtime. You just take your little bit of lunch and go read your Bible about 30 minutes, you know, in lunchtime. Okay. Hey, then when you get home at nighttime and everything gets settled, you just get away from everybody. And, hey, go read your Bible again. So reading your Bible is important. Very important. And very important. Okay. Then the prayer time. You gotta have time for prayer time. So you gotta find time to at least go pray in the morning time before you leave after you read your Bible, and probably slip away at, at work a little bit and pray then too. And the yeah, and before you go to sleep, you got to pray. You got to pray there. And I tell you what, anytime them church doors are open, you need to be there. You really need to be there every time they open. Don't never miss that. Your family's gonna be all right. They don't want to go with you. You just go on and go. All right. Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot. That that was all good, but you know, really, you know, you got to go to work. You got to provide for your family. But I tell you, you can't you can't forget the boys. You know that that thing that we did on Fridays. We we got to keep doing that. You know. That's good. And then you got to make time for your son. That's true. Yeah. And, but yeah. you can't forget mama. You got to make time for mama. So the best advice that I can give you, really, and you got an awful lot of time management coming. You got to make time for everybody and Jesus. Okay, now, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, I, I, this is a lot. This is a, a lot, guys. I, I, uh, you got to be really disciplined to do this, but I, uh, I, I'm, I think I can, I'm, I'm going to try. I think I can do all the things. Okay, now, that, that's not because Stephen's a bad guy. That's not because reading your Bible is bad. It's not even because carrying a Bible in your vehicle is going to send you to hell. It's none of those things. Those are all good ideas. And, and the truth about it, it may have even been because of Stephen's union with the Lord that caused Stephen to do that. Right? And, and, and it's true 
what Thomas says, you can't forget about your family and you can't forget about, and how are you going to reach the loss if you don't still hang out with your bros and your bros? And, and how, how, do you, how do you going to not do it and not take care of mama and take care of your kids? See, all are good things that I think that most of the church we've done. But now I want to show you what it's supposed to look like. Okay. Man, I'm so excited. <laughs> I've, I, Jesus touched me, changed my life. I've been doing it wrong for 30 plus years, but man, I finally feel like a new man. I just don't have any clue what I'm doing. Just remember, like I told you, you get this Bible, you don't let it out of your hands. You always got to have this thing next to you. And then I tell you what, you, you keep that prayer going at all times. And uh, you got to separate yourself. And, and again, every time I see that church door open, I'm going to be there. Front row if I need to. Corey, I want you to take this book and encounter me and encounter what we're supposed to do. Okay, Holy Spirit. I can do that. Management techniques from the best damn ship in the Navy. I mean, can you even say that word? Like, can I really encounter you in reading this book? It's your ship? I mean, Corey, it's the encounter that we're going to have while you read this book. Okay. So we're going to read the book together? Yes. Management techniques. That does sound good. I know that would help me. Okay, Holy Spirit, I'm in. Well, like I told you before, you can't forget about the boys. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. You can't forget about it. Friends are important. You got to go to work. You got to provide for the family. And you got to, don't ever forget mama. Okay, That'll get you in trouble. Oh, yeah, it will. Man, I know it will. All right. Corey, I want you to take Ty outside and sit in the grass. And I want you to feel every blade of grass that you're sitting on with your fingers and encounter me with your son. I don't know if I know how to do that, Holy Spirit. That sounds like some hippy-dippy stuff. I don't really know what that even looks like. Corey, just take your fingers and run them over the blade of the grass and okay. be still and listen. Be still. Be still with my son. Okay. Okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to try. I mean, that sounds good. So, so th this is the things that's important for me right now. Okay. It's about reading the word but being the word and going out and spreading the word. Okay, Holy Spirit. It's the encounter. It's okay. the unity that we have together. Okay. All right, I'm going to do it. Give him a hand, guys. Well paid. Well paid. Highly paid. These are highly paid actors that you got here today at Grace Fellowship. Just tell everybody that. So I'm, I'm responsible. See, I, I want to blame other people when I get offended. But I'm responsible for what comes into my soul. I'm responsible for that. I'm responsible that with this union with God, I'm responsible. So I want to blame it on other people, but the truth about it is every area of my life that's not whole is just an indication that that salvation needs to be continually worked out in this union with him. 
But we haven't learned it that way, right? We, what we do is we, we, let's go to prayer, let's go to do this, let's go have some of this. Let's go. Well, the truth about it is I'm not saying prayer is bad, I'm not saying fellowship is bad. I'm saying the most important thing that you could ever do is be in union with Christ. And if you're not in union with Christ, you're doing it by yourself. And so we got to back up. And, and so why is the world in the shape that it's at, right? I think that it's, it's, if, if I challenged each one of you today, when God talked about the lost, he said they're blind. He said they're deaf. He said and some of them are dead. So it'd be like me, and he says, go reach those guys. Go reach the blind, the deaf, and the dead. Go, you go reach them. Go re- Today, when we leave here, I want you to go get me one. So it'd be like me saying to you guys this week, saying, hey, listen, at the end of the day, what we're going to do, is we're going to go to the graveyard. And I want you to go to the graveyard. Pick any graveyard you want. I don't care which one it is, your favorite one, whatever it looks like. You just go to your favorite graveyard, and, to, and next Sunday, bring me back one. Bring me back one. Just, I, not a whole group of them. Each one of you just bring back one. Man, I tell you, if you challenged me with that, if Christ challenged me with that, I'd hit my knees because I'd say, God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. I need a miracle to make the deaf hear. I need a miracle to make the blind see. I need a miracle to make the dead walk again. But yet when we're talking about a world that doesn't know Jesus, that's the type that we're looking for. And I just wonder if I challenge you this week to reach the lost, would you find yourself on your knees saying, God, I need a miracle. God, I I need a miracle from you because if I don't have a miracle, then John is never going to get to know you. If I don't have a miracle from you, Sally will never hear your name. If I don't have a miracle, God, if something doesn't happen between me and you and that manifests out of me, they haven't got a chance. But we complain about a lost world. Can I I tell you the world needs a miracle? Can I tell you Cabot needs a miracle? I've been working in the schools. I was in Jacksonville and I was watching, I was working the hallways, putting in these new systems, and um, probably five to six fights every day would happen in the hall. I mean, I'm not talking about pushing, I'm talking about bashing heads and blood slinging and nobody's doing anything until the security can come and do it. And the bathrooms are closed down, so they can't go to the bathroom, they can't go to the bathroom during break because there's too many fights. So what they do is as soon as class starts, each class is dismissed and they line up to the bathroom and the security sits in the men's bathroom and the women's bathroom and they go to the bathroom and each class in every period does that. So it surely has got to cut down on the learning. <laughs> well, it's been perfect for me. That, that's the world that we live in. And we're the hope. I'm the light of the world. I'm the hope of this nation. <laughs> like, like your jingle, jingle, jingle. I'm the hope of that. And for that to manifest, there has to be a union between you and him. And in that, 
I'm not waiting for the world to change. I'm going to go change the world. The definition of evil is the lack of goodness. The definition of darkness is where there's no light. So if you want to defeat darkness, you turn on the light. If you want to defeat evil, you you turn on goodness. We are the hope of our world. Somehow, I think we've got off track. Somehow, we thought it was about us and growing and instead of about this union with him and then the fruit manifested and where the world goes. So I think the world will turn to a people that's above average. I mean, if I'm bowling, right? If I'm bowling, sometimes I'm making strikes, but, and sometimes I'm making spares, but sometimes I'm making gutters. If, I, if I'm a baseball average, right? If I got a, a baseball average of 350, I mean, whoo, that's, that's a good baseball average to have a 350, but that, that means that 3.5 times I'm hitting on base, but that means that 6.5 times I'm striking out. Can I afford to do that as, as me when I'm the hope of the world? I'm the light that's going to draw people to that. So my challenge is this week, go get one. Go get one. You need a miracle, though. You're going to need a miracle. You're going to need a miracle for the blind to see. You're going to need a miracle for the deaf to hear. And you're going to need a miracle for the dead to rise. And it's not going to happen without you. Let's please stand. I know I'm talking to good people. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not getting on to good people. I'm just I'm redirecting us to the things that I think the Lord wants us to do. And I tell you, our nation needs help. Our nation is going the wrong way. And we don't have anybody to blame. There's no one to blame. There's not a president. There's not a congressman. There's no one to blame. Because they don't carry the power that you carry. Jesus said, all power on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I'm trusting it with you. So we, we, we are the hope. It's up to us. And we need a miracle, Pastor Al. Um, we didn't plan that handoff, but I think it was supposed to happen. I want to ask the prophetic team, if you guys would come up here. Um, and Harvey, you're not on the team, but come up and... Uh, you, y'all may want to get somebody to be with you. I don't know. Uh, this starts with a miracle. Exactly how Pastor Tim finished, right? You know where the miracle starts? It comes from him into us. And I believe that to be who God wants us to be, we need to see ourselves the way he sees us. Like You have gifts in you. You have no idea. When Jesus looks at you, he sees you as the light of the world. That's what it says in the Scripture. And I think you need to know how God sees you. 
maybe you're doubting. Maybe you're thinking, oh, that's great for Tim or whoever. But I, I'm telling you, you want to see a miracle that starts with an encounter with him. And this morning, I, that's why I asked the prophetic team to come here and Pastor Tim's up here. And uh, You need to see yourself the way God does. And these guys can hear the Lord. They will hear the Lord and they'll express his heart for you to you. So if, uh, if you're at a place where you need, you need a kickstart, <laughs> you need, a, you need a, some encouragement, uh, this is the Lord wants to do it because 24 is coming tomorrow, right? And I believe the Lord's doing something really, really, really that he is important to him. Reaching the lost is going to become such a big part of our lives this, this year. And it's who you are. You guys do an amazing job. You just need to hear from the Lord. And you might be surprised how he sees you. And uh, he sees, I know how he sees you, right? So this morning, I want to open up the front when we dismiss. Uh, uh, take a risk and uh, come up here and hear what the Lord thinks about you. And uh, you'll be encouraged. I guarantee you, you'll be encouraged, right? So uh, thank you, Father, for today, for this word, for <laughs> what you're doing and God, I ask that we would, we would all become a greater light in our world where we live, our families, our neighborhoods, our businesses, God. We just want to be shine bright this year and to see people's light faces lifted up and brought out of the darkness. God, I just thank you. We just thank you, King. Amen. God bless you guys and have a happy new year.